0: Carrie and We Are Paranormal Chicks Episode 205. You know how everyone gets a little overwhelmed? Carrie has got that way and it's about laundry. So <laughs> she uh <laughs> paid me a little something something and I'm like I'm folding her laundry for her and helping her uh clean out her drawers, like chest of drawers, not her drawers. Anyway, my box is good. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. So I open up what I thought was her panty drawer. And I found some panties, but uh, lots of other things. <laughs> like, so <some>, All non-sexual. <laughs> some tubing for her CPAP. Old CPAP. I don't even... I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I opened her... Wait. Sp- that's also in
1: that drawer was... The cover for my fan if I didn't want to use the light kit.
0: Oh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And a headlamp. I thought that was in the uh, sock drawer. No. Oh, yeah. A headlamp, y'all. A headlamp. I I think we were, like, working on some stuff in the room. But you put it in your panty drawer. Because it was... top of the thing. Well, so then I go to her sock drawer. (laughs) Socks are there. Sure, sure, sure. But then I pull out a fake knife with blood on it. (laughs) It was a Halloween costume. <laughs> a fake knife with blood on it. I was like, what the fuck? Kind of role play to y'all two. And a pearl necklace. <laughs> yeah, and a pearl necklace. Like- Again, a Halloween costume.
1: It was fake pearls. <laughs> Obviously. Well, I'm just saying. But
0: yeah, it was like costume
1: things. I was like, what the fuck? this is okay because look between my full-time job the podcast and the extra hours that i work on the weekend i don't have time and if i cleaned my house it would be literally the only thing i did in the spare time that i do have so i pay a lady to clean my house but sometimes it's gotten so out of control that when she's coming i have to straighten up a little bit and when shit's on the top of my well, chest you do drawer, that every time. No, no, no. I'm, I know, but like, like sometimes it's real bad. Oh. <laughs> so if it's on the top of my chest drawer, I just open the drawers and shove it in there. Which is why there was a fake knife, a uh, headlamp, <laughs> uh, all kinds of things. I mean, there were probably some screws in there too.
0: I don't know. Also, though, there's she, usually a
1: screwdriver in there too.
0: <laughs> well, I really can't say anything. I did have a screwdriver in a drawer in my room, but it was because I was fixing a knob, See? and I just put it in there. Like, why? <laughs>
1: I, there's this TikTok that I, I try to keep reminding myself of. It says, put it up, don't put it down. Yeah, you are very bad about that. I always put it down.
0: Always. Or always.
1: Leave the drawer open.
0: Always. <laughs> Her and Tiffany, I swear to God, it is a jigsaw puzzle when they are together. I'm like, just close it. Just close it. But uh, speaking of the knife. She's taught Jax a new trick. It was Colby's thing. I can't take credit. Oh, he did it? Yeah, that's what I told you. I said, Colby
1: did this first. I didn't hear that. Oh, you didn't? Uh Yeah, he did it to me. I was sitting on the toilet and he was like, call Jax.
0: No. So I called him and that's what happened. You said he did it to me, but I thought you meant like he just... No, no, no. Colby did
1: it to me. I can't take credit.
0: But I was sitting in the computer room and uh, she said, call Jax. So I called him and he came with the fucking fake knife (laughs) with the handle in his mouth coming around like... (laughs)
1: and then he ran because he knew i wanted to take it from him he
0: was like like a fucking husband he was like we've been bobbing like
1: who says we've been bobbing i i don't know also
0: whenever i roll (laughs) when i rolled out all the loads of laundry that needed to be folded yeah she was like can you help me with some because i don't mind doing laundry um, one, I didn't know there was so much, uh, dog hair involved. She literally went, holy shit. I thought it was like two things. No, no, no. Four large laundry hampers failed to the top. And really it wasn't all of it. I was like, um, okay. <laughs> I was like, hey, don't drop these. Don't do anything. Cause I have a system. Yeah. Like, she was like,
1: don't take any out. Just leave it.
0: Yeah. That girl is going to help me because Carrie is a sweet person so she's gonna wheel it back and then she goes, uh, I dropped it. <laughs> yeah, like, I like half of it flew out. I was like, what the hell? She said, it hit my foot. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Cause it's the Rolly
1: con Yeah. Got it at the Dollar General.
0: Oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> only you. Also, carrying laundry, I don't know her organizational skills, but that girl will put a shirt on going one way, another shirt going another way. The hangers, I'm like, oh God, it it drafts me bonkers. <laughs> I had to go back and redo some that she had handed me because she had put some on the hanger for me, and I was like, Mm -mm. hold on like I can't put them up with them all like just I don't know I'm discombobulated there are some
1: things that I have learned to let go in my old age that's one of them and matching socks my socks (laughs) used to match my underwear and it'd be within the color scheme of my outfit and now I'm lucky if they match
0: each other yeah you got a lot of leftover socks and so many fuzzy socks. Anyone who buys Carrie a gift, do not get that girl a fuzzy sock. She got a ton. But they were all dirty. Shows I wear them. Oh, yeah. I think you have enough clothes to not wash clothes for at least a month. Of the comfortable clothes. Let me say that. That's where the most of her thing is. You'd be like, oh, shit, that's a lot of clothes. No, no, no. That's a lot of loungewear. A.K.A. Colby shirts <laughs> <laughs> That he doesn't
1: fit in anymore. And so I wear them now.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm anyway that's all about carrie's uh dirty laundry
1: (laughs) she's leaving out how good i did purging, ready for a garage sale
0: oh yeah 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 you did i got
1: rid of like two whole trash bags full well i didn't get rid of i have them set to the side because i'm gonna try to sell those because girl gotta have some money for Mm -hmm. student loans you know (laughs) well you know what donna may not understand me but i bet that patreon nerds do so thank you so much amber p from tennessee oh i like that Brittany F. from Kentucky, Alicia L. from Kansas, Laura W. from Ohio, Tony M. from Mississippi, Kayla M. from Kentucky, Samantha H. from Indiana,
0: and Rebecca H. from California.
1: Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. If you want an episode shout out and all the bonus episodes that they're getting that come out every week, including... The entire backlog, head on over to patreon.com slash theapcpodcast. Okay, so my story tonight is,
0: whoa. I thought you were going to say it like Joey Lawrence. Whoa. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <He> did.
1: <laughs> and anytime you get a whoa story, you know who recommended it.
0: Cat. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Mimi King threw us for a loop.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, and Sakwa too.
0: too yes, good ones. yes.
1: This story starts in 1999 and we are in a suburb outside of Colorado Springs. I wonder if all the people in the story know Lieutenant Jokinda.
0: You go there. I was going to go to party like it's 1999, but whatevs. Okay. Well, I'm
1: the cool one. So there's a lot of names in this story. So just stick with me. If you get them right, Gertrude, Paula. Really, Bloody Mary? Hey! You know what? At least I knew. Not instantly. You did not even half the episode. Then I was like, wait. Within the episode I knew. Uh, you wouldn't have. I'm just saying. You wouldn't have. Someone had to point it out. That would be a me. If y'all don't know what we're talking about, it's one of the very first episodes I fucked up royally. One of the very
0: first. It was one of the first. It was not. It was in the double digits.
1: It was like within the first 20. Well, y'all know we looked it up because one of us has got to prove the other one wrong and Donna won. you for dinner. It was episode 40. (laughs) There were two guys who were pretty good Friends, Isaac Grimes and Anthony Dutcher, but he goes by Tony. So the two had been friends growing up in middle school and all of that. Tony was really close with his grandparents, and they had a bunch of land. And so the boys would go over there, and they learned how to like hunt and fish and like shoot guns and all of that because that's part of their like more rural lifestyle with hunting and and all of that, right? Well, when they got into high school, they were still friends, but they weren't that that close anymore. And it wasn't very clear why that shift happened. But I think some of it began when Isaac became friends with a guy named Simon Sue. Because Isaac was a bit of like an awkward guy. Like Isaac didn't have a lot of friends because he was really awkward. And just a little bit of an introvert. And just, I don't know, really no other way to say it other than awkward. Isaac, at the point in this story, is a freshman in high school. And Simon is a senior in high school. At first, Isaac's parents... Rob and Donna.
0: Oh, I love her name.
1: We're like, this is kind of weird. Like, why doesn't he have friends his own age? Yada, yada, yada. But I don't think that's weird. Do you think it's weird? No. I mean, when Casey, my sister Casey was a freshman, she was dating a senior. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's that weird.
0: I don't think that either. And it's high school, so people are like in classes together. That's
1: what I was about to say, because they did have some classes together. So it's not... That's not completely absurd to me. Yeah.
0: Like middle school you normally don't have classes with
1: upper classes. Yeah. Right. So I think maybe the parents it's a little more hindsight's twenty twenty kind of thing. Yeah. But they became friends because they both love to play chess and video games and And Simon Sue was more charismatic, and he was the opposite of everything that Isaac was. So Isaac was drawn to him. Yeah. And maybe that's a little bit of what the parents were like. He's this outgoing, charismatic kid. Almost like, what does he see in Isaac? Yeah. This sounds like a Lifetime movie. It could be. Oh, Lord. Every Wednesday, Isaac and Simon got together so that they could play chess, video games, you know, all the things. Or so Isaac's parents thought.
0: Oh, shit.
1: What was really going on was Simon was essentially grooming Isaac, but not for right where your brain went. So, Simon was the lead of this club called Operations and Recognizance Agents, or the O-A-R-A. Simon was originally from Guyana, and he told Isaac that, hey, if you're part of this group, you get to help me and other people in Guyana. So basically, this was like a... Like a militia? Kind of. It was like a paramilitary group where he said that they were like in training, preparing themselves for when they get called to the front lines in Guyana to protect certain political powers. These high schoolers in Colorado Springs. Right. Simon said that he's this high up official in this basically international ring of military personnel. And that he has this like inside track and he knows all these things. And it's almost like an international mob is basically how it's described. Yeah. So Isaac starts hanging out with Simon and two other guys named Jonathan Matheny and Glenn Urban. They were the like, quote, band of brothers that made... The O-A-R-A. It was a very large group. Right. So like any young budding cult leader does, he starts out with the positive. Giving compliments, out help building up the members, air quotes around that, their self-esteem. We're so glad you're with us. You're so great. You're all these things. And you're part of the family. We're this band of brothers. You know, everything yeah. to make a kid like Isaac, who feels like an outsider and who has lower self-esteem, feel important. Right. And then when you feel important, then they've got you because you want to continue to feel that way. But eventually it kind of turns. So Isaac was in a family that didn't have a lot of money. His dad, I think, had gotten hurt at work And so, Isaac and his sister both had jobs. Well, so did some of the other guys in this OARA. And they had to give 10% of their paychecks to Simon.
0: Oh, my gosh. And...
1: They would use the money for God only knows what. But they did go to like the shooting ranges a lot. And that's where Simon would kind of take control and start with the teachings of like, hey, this is how it's going to be when we've got to go on the front lines. You've got to know how to shoot this gun. You've got to know how to clean this firearm. You've got to know how to, I don't know, Insert Forrest Gump where they have to take it apart and clean it and put it (laughs) back together. I don't know. All the things that the military is supposed to be able to do. And then as Simon is starting to like show what the true purpose of the cult is, I I mean, it wasn't like a a cult cult, but it's a cult, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Because as, you know how a cult works, it's like starts with a nice and they kind of start showing you who they are, but then they got to kind of back off of that a little bit, show you the nice stuff and then go back Mm -hmm. again. So one of the ways that he would continue to engage them is by like a pecking order almost and, and not in the like, because he's the top, is a top, but they would be able to do things to be like promoted from lieutenant to major and to all the different military titles. And so they would kind of work their way up based on good things that they had done. Yeah. And as far as the group goes, they were required to live a clean lifestyle. Like, they weren't allowed to do drugs. They had to keep their room like they would at an army barrack. You know, clean, bed made, all the things. You know, they had to live like they were in the military. But still, you feel like at some point, they would have gone, how does he have this connection. I right. mean like yeah, he's from there, but well, apparently, and I only saw this on one news article. I think it was on an ABC News article, but um Simon had actually taken another kid with him back to Guyana for a trip. And while they were there, he actually introduced that kid to the president, to like to the country's president. What? And so people were like, well, shit, maybe it's for real, yeah. you know? So I don't know how like that came to be or, or whatever, but that led credibility to his story.
0: So do we know it was actually the president? I
1: don't know. Again, I really didn't see that a lot of places. So I don't know how true that part of the story is. But, I mean, I don't know how easy that would be to fake. I mean, surely a high school student knows, like, our president has secret service around them and, you know, a limo with the flags and such. (laughs) I mean, did they watch Princess Diaries? You know what I mean? I don't know. So... I don't know how easy it would be for him to fake that. Yeah. So part of Simon's military training to the guys was that he wanted to toughen them up. So he made them watch this film called Faces of Death. I I saw it described as like a faux snuff film. Oh, shit. So a lot of gruesome deaths... And he would make them sit there for hours and watch it, like, over and over and over again to desensitize mm-hmm. themselves to that level of violence. Wow. To prepare them for life on the front line. Air quotes around that. Oh, my gosh. For some of the more aggressive things that he would do, Isaac said that he was forced to eat and drink until he threw up. What? And that Simon made them start, like, committing different burglaries. hmm And... In doing so, he would teach them how to, like, sneak past security cameras with sensors and that kind of thing as, again, part of their training. Oh,
0: my gosh. Well,
1: and now he has that over their head. Exactly. Oh, you're going to leave on me? Well, I'm going to tell that you committed this crime. Right. Because of this fake coup that's supposed to happen in Guyana. The other thing, too, is that when the guys would do something that – simon deemed inappropriate they would be put on probation and they would have to win their way back into the fold essentially and so there could be anything that he would make them do go rob something go whatever more money anything that he would want them to do to get them back into the fold and if they didn't do that then simon would threaten their families allegedly simon had made copies of the keys to their houses so that he would be like look here's a picture of your mom where she works and I got the key to your house. You fuck with me. This militia is going to come in and we're going to kill you and your family.
0: Good lord.
1: So it's very much like that, um, what's that Canadian story I did where they faked that he was part of the mob to get him to tell the truth. Yeah. It was called Mr. Big. Mr. Big. Mr.
0: Big, that whole. Yeah,
1: almost like a, like a Mr. Big situation where it's like, if you don't do this, this fake mob is going to come and kill everybody you know and love. So that was another thing that he helped over their heads to get them to do what he wanted them to do. Isaac said that he was so afraid that people were watching him from this fake mob That he would even go to the bathroom with the lights off sometimes because he was afraid people were watching him.
0: He was more scared of them than Bloody Mary. Uh Uh-uh. Well,
1: remember how I said that Isaac and Glenn and Jonathan would have to give like 10% of their salary?
0: Tithe. Yes.
1: Literally. So Isaac had borrowed or stolen or I don't, honestly, I don't know if he intended to get back. Anyway, Taken some of the money from the group to do something. Well, Simon was like, you stole $2,000 from us. Damn you have to make it up to me. He was like, I didn't steal $2,000. Like, I have no idea how much it was, but it wasn't $2,000. Like, Isaac is like, it was not $2,000. Well, that put Isaac on probation. So, Simon was like, you've got to make this up to me. And in order to make this up to me, to show me your loyalty.
0: You have to kill somebody.
1: You got to kill somebody.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And they decided that they had to kill Carl Dutcher, Tony's Tony. grandfather.
0: Oh, okay. I was like, his name was Anthony Dutcher. Yeah, Anthony. Okay. He went I by Tony. Like, Tony. Yeah. yeah, but I was like, not Tony, but... Oh. Well,
1: they had to kill his grandfather because allegedly his grandfather had made some racist comments, and as part of the no drugs, keep your thing nice, you can't be racist. Like, that was like literally some of the, the rules. Mm. So, rid the world of racism. Noble calls, but well, not so noble yeah. a way to do it. Yeah. So this was the plan. Isaac was supposed to call up Tony and be like, hey, let's hang out on New Year's Eve because Tony was going to spend his entire Christmas break with his grandparents because Tony's parents were going through a divorce. It was a really difficult time for him. Bless it. I know. So he was like, let me just spend the break with my grandparents, get away from everything. He loved them so much and just wanted to spend time with them because he had so much fun with them. You know, they played games. They had all this land. He could go hunting and, you know, do all the things that he, together with his grandpa. Yeah. His grandfather even taught him how to whittle wood.
0: Oh. Oh God, cute son-in-law.
1: Exactly. So this is what happened. On New Year's Eve, Isaac goes to stay the night with Tony and Jonathan actually is the one that drives him. Jonathan Matheny, who is one of the four members of the OARA. So previously, Tony and Isaac had built this like fort. I was going to say a fort. Yeah, it was like a lean to like little Mm -hmm. fort thing. And they loved to go camping in that back in the day. So that was the plan. They were going to go out there, camp the night away in that lean-to. So they went up there, played some Scrabble, you know, hung out, shot the shit. And Isaac was like, hey, come look at this on the mountain, whatever. Come, Come look at this. And Tony was like, what? I don't see it. And he's like, no, look right there. And so Tony's like trying to see what he's talking about. You know, he's like looking like, I don't see it. What are you like? What are you pointing out to me? And while Tony is looking, Isaac comes behind him and slits his throat. Oh my gosh. He slit his throat so deep that it went all the way to the spinal column.
0: Oh, holy shit. I thought he was just going to like sedate him or something. No. Like he wasn't the one you had to kill.
1: Well, the plan became kill them all. Oh, God. So, after Tony bled to death, Isaac wrapped him in his sleeping bag.
0: He was your childhood friend.
1: And on the flip side of that, Isaac was scared for his family's lives.
0: No, I get it. He yeah. should
1: not, you know, you know, It's he is, I'm not Murder taking... Is wrong. Yes, and I'm not taking any culpability away from him. He did what he did. Right. But he was wrapped up in this yeah. fear, you know. For sure. After all of that, Isaac goes back to the house And Carl and his wife, Joanna, and they, so they are the grandparents, but they are so young still. Carl was 60 and Joanna was 58. What? So young. Like they, so they had so much life to live. Yeah. Carl was a retired veteran. He had done like multiple tours in Vietnam And Joanna was a retired beautician and nurse. So Isaac goes back into the house, and the grandparents didn't think anything about it because they said that, you know, the guys would usually do that. Like, they'd go out there, they'd camp for a little while, and then they'd be like, bump this, we're cold. We're coming back inside. Yeah. So it wasn't out of the norm that Isaac came back in. Hell, maybe he had to poop. Who knows, you know? Yeah. So they just went ahead and went to sleep. At about 4 a.m., Jonathan Matheny comes back. And this was the plan all along. When Jonathan gets there, Isaac lets him in. Carl hears a disturbance. And he gets up and comes out into the hallway. And when he gets there, he sees Jonathan Matheny, who then shoots Carl twice.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, Joanna hears everything going on because, hello, it's a fucking two gunshots. Right. Right. And she's been raised around, guns and all that. She knows what she fucking heard. So she jumps up and runs to the bathroom, trying to flee and trying to save her her own life. But Jonathan followed her and fired six rounds through the door. And they hit her in the chest and the head. Oh. So after Isaac and Jonathan knew that they were both dead... They left and went back to Colorado Springs because this all happens, like I said, in a rural area in Park County near Guffey. I don't know if like a suburb of Colorado City is the right word, but you get the point. Yeah. So they go back and they take everything, their clothes, the backpacks that they had, anything and everything that could be covered in blood, and they burned it all. Then they make their call to Simon and say, it's done we did it. So now they can be all back in the good, good with him. Meanwhile, he's in Canada visiting family. So he's clean hands from this.
0: Of course.
1: Well, Tony's mom had told him to call her at midnight so she could say happy new year. And he didn't. So she was like, okay, okay. You know, he probably either fell asleep or they're having fun, whatever. But then it became the next day and she still hadn't heard from him. And she called and nobody answered. And she's like, okay, they're just having a really great time and, you know, he can't be bothered to call me. And the same thing happened with Carl and Joanna's sons. They were like, look, mom always calls us on New Year's, every holiday to be like, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all the things. And she didn't call that day. So they're like, that's really weird. But who knows, Tony's there. No telling what they're, you know, what shenanigans they're getting involved in. But after three days on January 3rd, One of the sons called to have a welfare check. When police get there, they see that the Dutcher vehicle is at the house, but they don't see anything else. Like, there's nobody really around. One thing I read, they heard a dog barking inside. And then, because this was on an episode of Homicide for the Holidays, it was like season two, episode four, I think. But on that, they said that when the police got there, they noticed, like, something ajar with the back door. Either way, the police go inside And they find Carl laying on the floor in a pool of blood. They go in some more, and they find Joanna wedged against the bathtub. They said that there was glass shattered everywhere. Sunshine was, like, coming through the bullet holes in the wall.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Because they lived in a trailer, I think. So it was, like, it pierced through everything. Yeah. So at first, they didn't know where Tony was. And I don't even think that police knew that he was there. It wasn't until they called to say like, hey, you know, we found your parents dead, that Tony's mom was like, where's Tony? And they're like, what do you mean? And she's like, no, he was with them. Like, where is he? And so they're looking for him. And their first thought is Tony did this. Yeah. But then his mom was like, I bet I know where he is. He had a fort. And so police go up there and inside the fort... They find Tony face down in his sleeping bag with blood pulled around him, frozen. But they also find that there was another sleeping bag there that had just kind of been rolled up and put to the side. They found a holster that was empty, like no gun in it. And they found a jacket. They also found an unfinished game of Scrabble. So they were like, he couldn't have been alone. Right. So the mom is like, yeah, his friend Isaac was supposed to come over.
0: That's so sad. Like, it just shows that they were kids and stuff. You know, like, they had Mm -hmm. a board game. They were in their childhood fort. Yeah. Oh, gosh.
1: So, the police talk to Isaac, and Isaac's like, no, I didn't go over there. Like, I went out drinking with some friends instead. Like, I I didn't go over there. So, the police check his alibi with the friends that he says he was in, duh, the O-A-R-A group members, and they all have, like, the exact same story. hmm See? Uh-uh. So they're like, that's sketch. Nobody has the same fucking story. Like, there's right. always some differences. That's just fucking human nature. Yeah. But they had nothing to go on. Well, right as all this was happening, there were some other murders in the area. And there was, like, I think it was the Texas Four. I don't know. It was this group of like, murderers from Texas that was in the area, and they are like, wait, did they do this? So, the police spent a good amount of time on that because they were like, this could have been them because they would rob and murder people, and there was, there were guns missing because Carl was a gun collector like he made his own shotgun shells you know he was like kind of lived on the land kind of thing you know like he would hunt and and then like i said make his
0: own ammunition exactly so they didn't do fingerprints i don't know because i feel like that would have been the first thing and then been like well you were supposed to be here can we get your fingerprints just in case well but he
1: helped build that fort but it's the sleeping bag the holster true and scrabble true Well, after about three weeks, and this part was not very clear to me, because Isaac is the one that called police, but then when they went to his house to talk to him again, he still, like, denied everything, and then they asked him about a watch that Tony had, And Isaac was able to describe it, like, to a T. And police knew that Tony had gotten that watch for Christmas because Isaac said, the last time I saw Tony was at school before Christmas break. And so police were like, uh, busted because he got that for Christmas. So the only way you would know that watch is if you've seen him after Christmas. Dang. So, police end up bringing Isaac in for questioning. And at first, it's like chit-chat, blah, 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 you know, all the things. And then they hit him with the, hey, we know you saw him. We know the watch. They tell him about, hey, you know you, like, that jacket that was left at the fort. Like, we can test that. If you put that on, you're going to have left DNA on it. We're going to be able to compare it. So, just fucking tell us. So, Isaac finally breaks down and tells police that he killed Tony, but that... Jonathan had come in to kill the grandparents. So please go to Jonathan and he sticks with, with the original story. Well, the other thing that Isaac tells them, because they're not getting anything out of Jonathan right now. But Isaac says, okay, later we actually went to Glenn Urban's house and he destroyed the weapons for us. He like, I don't know what in the machinery he used, but he chopped up all those guns and knives and stuff. So that they could be destroyed. So the police go to talk to Glenn. And Glenn cracks pretty fucking quickly. And he says, when they all came over, Simon told me to destroy the weapons. And the cops are like, who the fuck is Simon? Right. Wait, what? So they go back to Isaac. And they're like, who is Simon Sue? And Isaac is like, okay, I'm going to tell you this. But if you tell anybody else... It could get us all killed. And they're like, do what? And so that's where he spills all the fucking beans. Yeah. And he's like, I can prove it because some of the guns that we stole from the Dutcher's house are stored in Simon's garage. So the police were like, got it. On the way to check the garage out. So now they can connect him to it. So long story short, all of them ended up confessing. Simon Sue says that he only confessed because his mom told him to because, um, she told him like people of color are more likely to get the death penalty. Just fucking confess. So he confessed and was sentenced to 53 years in prison. Jonathan Matheny got 68 years in prison. Glenn Urban, who just destroyed the weapons, he got two years in prison and Isaac Grimes got 60 years in prison. After everything happened, Tony's mom didn't handle it very well. She turned to substances, including pills and drinking. She attempted to die by suicide twice.
0: Bless her heart. And
1: then one night, she was driving under the influence and went the wrong way down the interstate and killed a 27-year-old father.
0: Oh, gosh. And she
1: got five years in prison for that. Fuck. Also, if you watched that episode that I told you about... They have actual footage of Isaac confessing and his parents are sitting in there and his mom is bawling her eyes out. And it is like, I mean, this woman is finding out that her child murdered someone. And it is every emotion that you would expect to see. It was horrible oh
0: gosh
1: but i feel like they aren't letting isaac face the music like they are because he's having to he's in prison but well he was brainwashed and he was this and, and he was but he has to be responsible for his decisions yeah and listen to what isaac did so this all happened when he was 15 and when he was 19 i think so charles who is carl and joanna's son was suing at like a civil court for wrongful death and Isaac's little piece of shit ass had the audacity to write him a letter and told him that he should drop the lawsuit because that was the only way to secure his soul from hell
0: oh my god and like sent,
1: gave him like bible verses and shit and, like, the fucking audacity. Like, Charles was like, for him to come at me and to tell me what I need to do to live my life. die. Right. Like, don't you try to fucking teach me, son. Right. Also, I just think that it's so interesting, too, that this fake paramilitary group that they were trying to stop this coup from happening in Guyana. And Guyana is where Jonestown was.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So, two cults, basically. Yeah, damn.
1: So... Thank you for that um, really great idea, Kat, for that story because Ooh. that one had some twists and fucking turns. It really
0: did. I
1: just, it just breaks my heart. Like, poor Tony just invited his friend over. Well, I'm sure it was Isaac's idea, but, you know, it was just like, hey, yeah, come over. Let's have fun. You know what? Let's get back to basics. Right. Let's, let's have a game night. Let's have some fun.
0: You know, yeah. do our thing. Camping. And, and he needed it, too, because his parents were going through the divorce. Exactly. All of that. Like, oh, my gosh.
1: I just – the only, like, bright side of that is that maybe Tony never saw it coming, and so he died peacefully, but he bled out, so I don't know how peaceful it was. Right. But, you know, poor Carl and Joanna. Theirs was awful. It was yeah. awful.
0: Yeah. Oh, that was heavy.
1: And y'all have to go look at these pictures because these are children. Like, they look so young. I mean, they are children wow. committing these murders.
0: So this is not related to your story, but kind of – while you're saying this, it reminded me of a show or a movie, sorry, that I watched on HBO Max last year. But I think it came out like a little bit before that. I don't know. But it's called Imperium. And it's got Daniel Radcliffe in Mm -hmm. it. And it's based off of an FBI agent who went undercover in a white supremacist group. Mm -hmm. And it was like that, like you got to see the inner workings and like all the steps, all the like yeah. indoctrination, and, yeah. yeah, and you would never know, like in this small town, that there's this paramilitary group, this militia. That's like I, I don't know. It's it's just chilling. And that's what your story was. But I just wanted to say that because if you are like into that or you want to see that, it's a good movie. Well, I can't wait to see what you have in store for us. Well, before we get into my story, let's talk about the sponsor of this episode. Y'all, Living Proof is here to help this line mane I got on my head. Lion mane? Oh, don't you think highly of yourself. No, I'm saying it's terrible. It should not look like I have a lion's mane on my head with my frizz. (laughs) True that, true that. But you know what? They got stuff for me too that needs, you know, life, volume, all the things for my 14 sprigs of hair that I have. And it works on all 14. (laughs) It does. It really does.
1: That's what's so awesome about Living Proof because it's not a one size fits all hair care.
0: Also, it was founded by people From MIT. So you know that shit's good and smart. (laughs) Very smart. They know all the deets. All the things you need to look for. And also the things you need to say no, no, no to. Like sulfates. All the things.
1: Yeah. Like she said, sulfate-free, paraben-free, silicone-free, not tested on animals, It's got all the good, good. And none of the bad, bad. And here's the thing too, because like we said, like we said, it's not like a one size fits all thing because Donna's got her 14 sprigs, but I have curly hair and sometimes I wear my hair straight. So I use the Restore shampoo and conditioner because my hair can be like breaking and all of that, but I have this mask for my hair that helps with the frizz. But on the days that I want to wear it curly, I've got this curling cream and all the good good to help my curls.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've changed out my stuff to Live Proof, and my hair really is more voluminous and like voluminous. Yep. (laughs) Look, I didn't say I worked at MIT, okay? (laughs) (laughs) If you want your hair big, do this. But seriously, it has so much lift, and then there's a dry texturing spray that I got, And it is everything. It's something that, you know, you can put in your hair. And again, I don't have a lot of hair. We all know this. If you've seen me on a live, you know. But it doesn't weigh my hair down. And it doesn't get like, if you put too much product in my hair, it's just going to be like oily and slick to my head, no matter what. Not with Living Proof.
1: Living Proof is scientifically engineered to solve the toughest hair challenges, you know, aka us. But it doesn't just conceal them like you were saying with... Needing to be voluminous. <laughs> you know,
0: you mispronounced one thing.
1: Gah! <laughs> so look, put sides to work and unlock your best hair with Living Proof. Go to livingproof.com slash creep and use
0: the promo code creep. That's going to give you 10% off your first purchase. That's livingproof.com slash creep, C-R-E-E-P, code creep for 10% off your first purchase. I'm telling you, it's really good. And the smell is so clean. Swear to God, I was just about to say, I
1: love the way it smells. It's mm-hmm. like a clean, like not fragrant-y.
0: fragrant See? See? Voluminous and fragrant-y. <laughs> it's not overpowering. And I don't know. It's just, it's fresh. Yes. So go to
1: livingproof, that's P-R-O-O-F dot com slash creep and use promo
0: code creep. All right. So now that my hair is, you know, out of this world, amazing. Okay. (laughs) It's been a bit since I've covered a certain kind of story. So here we go about a famous UFO sighting. Okay. I can be on board with this. Mm Mm-hmm. See, out of this world, you get it?
1: I get it. Terrible, but I get it.
0: (laughs) Coming from you with your segues lately?
1: Um, People have said that they've gotten really good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And with that, they got
1: real bad after that. They did. They really did, actually. They were
0: going up, it was peaky, and then boom. You're not wrong. Picture it. Socorro, New Mexico, 1964. It was April 24th, a little before 6 p.m. Lonnie Zamora, a 31-year-old police officer, saw this car speed past him, so he engaged in pursuit of the car. Because, you know, he was like, oh, gonna write this ticket, and it's gonna be so good. Well, the chase led, like, all through the outskirts of the town to a small dirt road, and Lonnie really thought he was gonna be able to capture this Leadfoot Louie. However, he heard, like, this sound of a roar kind of like a small explosion Lonnie knew that there was this dynamite shack nearby like I didn't know that towns had dynamite shacks but apparently they do
1: I didn't know that but I do know that there's this guy that lives close to Colby's parents that has so many firearms that the fire department was like if your house catches on fire do not call us Oh
0: my god. Because it would be
1: so dangerous for the firefighters because he had so he has so much like ammunition and stuff.
0: Wow. Why is there not a place that you can conceal that like fireproof i don't think so i mean if oh. it catches on fire it's
1: gonna be like poom, 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 poom.
0: no i know but that's what i'm saying like to fireproof it from catching on fire like our fireproof know. boxes i don't know actually but i think he like makes his own
1: ammo and stuff yeah which is why he has so much yeah i don't know or how how do they even know that he has that so it could just be a rumor but you get the point well he has to
0: register his guns yeah but that doesn't you could have all the guns and not have ammo true or vice versa. True. I fuck if I know. What I do know, Lonnie was like, "Oh shit, it's blown up. I got to go investigate this to heck with the speed racer here." That's when Lonnie saw a bluish flame in the sky like over a hill. It was southwest of his direction. So he really thought it was the dynamite shack and either it was being messed with It exploded something. Well, when he made the turn to go toward the dynamite shack, he saw something weird, something that he needed to focus on more. So picture Ace Ventura when he has his head out the window when he's driving. Mm -hmm. That's what Lonnie was like. And when he was about 150 yards from it, he said his first reaction was that it was a car on its side and on like the radiator or the trunk. So he radioed in the accident. He told them he was going to check a car by the Arroyo, which Michael's last name, okay? I was about to say like our friend Michael. Yes. And it's Spanish for, Michael's going to be like, oh, bitch, you tried, but you you failed. But basically it's Spanish for like a dry creek or a brook. So after a lot of rain, it's filled with the water. And that's how a lot of desert animals get their water. So it's like a temporary kind of water source. Well, Lonnie's car was having a hard time getting up the steep hill he was having to get over to get to the flame he saw. Because of all the loose gravel, it took him like three times. But he finally got up there. The closer he got to the object, he noted that it was more like a white, shiny, egg-shaped object. Lonnie called into the station again and was like, like, hey I'm gonna need Sam Chavez to come out here. He was the police sergeant and a friend of Lonnie's. Well Lonnie tried to radio a third time but the closer he got to the object the static got worse and there wasn't a good connection. So while Lonnie was waiting on Sam he inched a little closer. He had to get out of his car and kind of walk that way. Well that's when he saw two people in white coveralls near this object. He described them as being larger than a child, but smaller than an adult. So kind of like a big kid or a small adult. One looked over at Lonnie and was kind of shocked. That's the expression that Lonnie perceived that person to have. And then just like that, when he was about 50 feet away from the object, he heard the roar again and he saw that bluish flame. Well, he thought whatever that was, was about to blow up. Because it slowly rose up from the ground and he like covered his face because he was like, oh my God, whatever is about to happen is going to happen. He turned, covered his face, but then he could hear it going away from him. So he uncovered his eyes and he watched it. And yeah, it flew up about 20 feet off the ground and went the opposite direction of him. And it left like no trail, no like jet stream, anything like that behind it. Lonnie was trying to remember everything. And so while he was waiting for Sam, he scribbled down what he saw. Like it was a picture of like a logo or something on this object. Well, Sam arrived shortly after and Lonnie was visibly shaken. Sam was like, you look white as a ghost. What is going on? That's when Lonnie started to describe everything to Sam. He said it was like an O shaped object with four legs. So Sam was like, let's go investigate the area. They did and they found four smoldering holes in the sand, which could have been from the legs that Lonnie described. There was also some burnt clumps of grass there and later the military took some for analysis and stuff. So they get back to the station and Lonnie is telling everything and so they're like all right we need to call the Air Force because first things first uh they shouldn't be testing right here or like what was this? I don't understand why they jumped straight to let's call the Air Force. Well because what he's describing doesn't sound like anything they know about. And there's this nearby White Sands missile range that obviously belongs to the Air Force. Well, the first person sent was Captain Richard Holder. And you know where my brain went with this? No. Captain Richard Holder. Oh, Dick, Dick Holder? Yes. <laughs> you know he does not go by Dick. Or if he does, who? kudos to you, sir, to be like, hey, I'm Dick Holder. Nice to meet you. No. (laughs) And then like outstretch your hand. Oh, what do you want me to put there, sir? Uh, Your dick. (laughs) Obvi, you heard my name. (laughs) Oh, God. I was like, of course, I'm going to see that. I don't know. Anyway, he was the first person on the scene. And he found a bush that had been burnt. And I'm sorry, Dick Holder found a bush? (laughs) Yes. Yes, he did. (laughs) Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he looked around and everything and he said, okay, this isn't a hoax as in like, there's no evidence at all. But he also didn't know where this was going either. You know, like something had happened, we're going to investigate. Richard Holder, <laughs> I can't call him Dick Holder the whole time. But Richard Holder, He he interviewed Lonnie and just had him go through the whole thing again, you know. So Lonnie told him and... Uh, he was like, okay, okay, okay. Here's the thing. I know you're going to talk to people, but maybe not say that you saw two people out there because already this is a UFO, like a literal unidentified flying object. So people are already going to lean towards like, oh, aliens. So don't say you saw two people out there. Like, it's just not going to be good, you know? But Lonnie was like, you're not the talk about of me. I can say whatever I want. Exactly. Like, uh, excuse me, dick holder. No. You
1: know how, like, earlier Tiffany said, get my name out your mouth? I was going to say, get yeah. my dick out your mouth. <laughs> and it just didn't work. And... Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, And he, oh, sorry. And Lonnie did say, like, he talked about the two people who were in the white coveralls. People started being like, aliens? Oh, my God, he saw aliens. (laughs) So then he was like, well, okay, here's the thing. I don't know if they were people or not. They just, like, were figures. I couldn't really see, but this is what they look like. You know, very vague. But he he tried to clarify, but he just made it worse. I mean, Lonnie, me too. It's literally, literally same. (laughs) But that was it. Everyone, it was... Oh my gosh, Lonnie thinks he saw aliens. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, the whole thing. And so he got heckled by everyone. But during the investigation, it was found that Lonnie wasn't the only witness to see something strange that night. Opal Grinder, who owned the local gas station, he said he heard something that night that sounded kind of like a jet that was flying low over the town. Something like that. And then a tourist who was there at that gas station said, yeah, same, ditto, exactly that. They got some names up in this town. (laughs) But then there were two people who aren't so believable. They were interviewed by the Telegraph Herald. And they're Paul Kreis, who was 24, and Larry Kratzer, who was 26. They were driving on the highway around the same time. And Larry said that they saw some brown dust, then black smoke, and it was like rubber burning. And then they saw like a short fire. And because of all the smoke and stuff... It hid what would be that shiny object flying away. They couldn't see it. But that doesn't line up with what Lonnie saw. He saw the object and no other, like he didn't see any dust. He didn't see any smoke. He just saw the flame object and it was gone. So a lot of people were like, yeah, they were just trying to get their name in the paper. But this was turning out to be a little like, what What the fuck do we do here? Like there's no explanation So the Air Force sent a Dr. J. Allen Hynek over to investigate as well. But here's the thing. He's from Project Blue Book. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And so that's basically, I mean, this is like, it's the Cliff Notes version of Cliff Notes. But it's basically the government's alien project. Okay. Well, he was on the scene to figure it all out. And another person who, again, was with Project Blue Book was Hector Quintanilla. And he actually wrote about this case later in life. And one line that I thought summed it all up was, quote, all hell broke loose on April 24th, 1964. And I started smoking again. Because this case was just like, you have to find an answer. You have to do this because people were blowing it all out of proportion. And you know, it's like a UFO sighting was here. Aliens are here. Do they exist? What's going on? Are we safe? You know, all of this stuff. So there were two reports put out by the Air Force. One to the public that basically claimed there's no evidence of anything extraterrestrial in origin and there's no security threat. So everything's kosher. It's weird, but kosher. We're still going to investigate and we will like figure this out. However, remember Hector and Project Blue Book? Yes. Yeah. He wrote a report and it was for internal eyes only, basically saying, what the fuck is going on? We don't know what it is. We don't know what it could be. Everything was very panicked, you know, like kind of like how we cover our own asses, but also like protect what we don't understand, like all the things. And there really was never any resolution to this sighting. And that's really it about the experience. Okay. Okay. But there are some theories as to what the UFO really was. You know, there was things like a weather balloon. That's what he could have seen. But again, all of that was researched and found that there was no weather balloon in the area that day. You know, like all of these things didn't line up. So it's like, eh, could have been a weather balloon, but no. Because one thing I didn't mention is that Lonnie did... Radio back one time when he saw the object kind of flying away. And he talked to the dispatcher and he was like, Okay, look out the window. And he's like, What? He's like, No, look out the window. Do you see anything? And they're like, No, what are you doing? He's like, I'm seeing something flying away. Like, you don't see anything. And they're like, No, what does it look like? And he said, Kind of like a balloon. And so people were like, it was a weather balloon. That's what it was. And it, it's not. Like, it wasn't. It's, that is confirmed. But another theory came out and it's kind of like, oh. So the same year this all happened, NASA was testing a lunar lander called the Surveyor that actually went to the moon in 1966. And remember White Sands Missile Range? This testing was done out of Holloman Air Force Base, In New Mexico at White Sands Missile Range. So they checked on all the things and um yeah that was being carried by a helicopter on the same day to do some testing. And then other people have said you know that logo that he saw kind of looks like the logo from Hughes Aircrafts. And people are like yeah 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 that's what it could be. So it totally is this lunar lander. But before you're like, (laughs) check, that's it. Holloman is right beside the White Sands Missile Range. Again, where the surveyor tested was being done. But Socorro, it's about a hundred miles away. So it's not just like a hop, skip and a jump that way. And so they wouldn't have been going that far with the testing. They say, I was gonna say, they say, right. Also though, the surveyor is like a tripod With some metal like shingles on it. Okay, that's like the crudest illustration I can give you. But like, it don't look anything like an egg-shaped object. Like, yes, it looked like it was shiny and aluminum. Same with the object. But this had three legs. He said it had four and nowhere near the size. But they said, hey, it was done by a helicopter. Like, that's what had to be done to give it like the motions. But he would have known what a helicopter looked like. Yeah. Also, there was no place for a logo to have been on the surveyor. And they said, um, if there was a logo, it would have had NASA on it, not the like the manufacturer of like the metal shit, the Hughes logo. Also, that testing it ended like six hours before Lonnie saw this. So it's not like, oh, at the same time it was in the sky. You saw this, like, that was half a day. Like, we know I'm not great at math, but I know 12 hours is half a day. But seriously, six hours, that's a long fucking time to not be in the air when he said he saw this thing. But some people are just like, yeah, that's what it was, you know, case solved. But there's a second theory, that it was a hoax and a prank. At New Mexico Tech, the university president basically came out later and was like, yeah, some former students... They were playing a prank. So he was like boasting about, they have a lab on campus that has more than enough equipment to pull it off. And uh yeah, lab suits too. Remember those white coveralls? Mm-hmm. And another thing, Lonnie used to work at that campus for a few years and he was one of those by the book peeps. So the students really didn't like him, but no one ever came forward after all these years, no one ever came forward. Also, the air force is like, okay, here's the thing. Yes. You could do like these mock up stuff and just be like, yeah, this will be great. But everything you have to have to like, get this up and off the air would have left debris and everything else. And there were only four little holes and burnt patches of grass, like a little bit, not like, I mean, we've all seen like rockets and shit. That's right. Like, that's what basically would have happened. And, uh, it didn't. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think your students could pull that off. I mean, good try for trying to
1: interject yourself into this and make yourself sound better.
0: But <laughs> right, good try. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, seriously, after all these times, no one's ever said, like, to the, their grandchildren's grandchildren, you know, like, goes down and been like, you know what? Your granddad actually was involved with, you know what I mean? Like, no one's ever done this. Yeah, right. That's what a prank is. Like, you want to be like, got you, ha, ha, ha. Especially if you didn't like the person, you would have been like, Lonnie's a loser, got you. No one did. And it just would have been, I don't know. And I'm not saying like 1964, but how are you going to be like, okay, you're going to speed through town here, but you have to get him all the way here at this certain time. And then we're going to be here and do like, that's a lot of planning for no cell phone. That's the truth. Like, at all. So I, I don't know. I just do not believe that at all. Like, n- n- no. And I feel like if they made something for that, where is it? Like, it's not something you're just like, all right, burn it. So true. Like, that one, like you said, he just wanted to get his name in the paper too.
1: Which is, what's so funny about this is it's like, You know, when people say like they saw a UFO or whatever, people don't believe them and they get a lot of flack for that. And so it's just so weird to me when people are like, oh yeah, I did too. Or, you know, it's like when they insert themselves like that, because it's, I mean, maybe they really do feel like no press is bad press. I don't know. I guess so.
0: I guess so. But yeah, I don't get that either. And I do know that there's a difference in, you know, some of these things were like, hmm, when they're like, I got abducted by aliens they probed me for 12 hours they did all this and so it's kind of like okay okay go on but this guy's literally just saying like it was this weird object kind of you know like it went up I have no idea and that's it you know he's he said he saw two people in coveralls but he didn't even say like they had big black eyes they had all of this and abnormally large head he really didn't know what like They looked like they were humans, but I don't know, at a distance, at kind of at that dusk time, like he might not have been able to see. So who knows what it was, but like I said, it's still unsolved because no one could identify this. People, you know, talk to other military branches and stuff and like, do you have anything like this that y'all are working on, that y'all tested, anything, and no one said, actually, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing or whatever. So we don't know. But the UFO community, they really do say that this goes down in the books as one of the most credible UFO sightings on record. Damn. And there's really just not a lot to it. So it's like, what? But it's because it can't be debunked, really. Because how it was, it's like... There, it's not a hoax. It's not a prank. And I, again, the government saying that they weren't testing anything and who knows. But what was it? It wasn't threatening or, you know, anything like that. So it's just more, I don't know. It's just, what was it? Beats the hell out of me. I mean, of course, my go-to is not an alien, but what it was, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I don't think it was aliens, but then how he's like a large child or a small adult. I'm like, hmm, like do astronauts have those same like requirements of jockeys? But then right. I'm like, no, because I've seen like, you know, movies with <laughs> like Apollo 13. But you know what I mean? I'm like, no, they, they don't have like requirements that I know of, you know? So why would they be small in stature like that? I, I don't know. But also they were kind of like on a heel. So maybe it was just like a perception thing. True. So I don't know. But I always, because I'm so nosy and it's like, okay, I really feel like it's just like the military was doing something, you know, but like what? <laughs> and so what? what did you all use that for? Or what were you going to use it for? It wasn't the land surveyor. Because like, think of a blimp. This is what he said he saw. You know what I mean? Like, not that big, but like, that's the shape. Like a kind of egg on its side shape. The surveyor seriously looks like a tripod with like some wings. Not the same. So it's just like, "Mm, I don't think that's it. Like, it could be. Like, you had me going there. But I feel like you're saying it's this surveyor because people knew you were working on it. But what don't we know that you're working on? Like, you're like, oh, it's this. We'll put this in the foreground, but secretly we're working on this. Yeah. Look over here, not over here. Right. <laughs> yes. Which works on me all the time. So see, my story, much lighter. Yeah. Well, my story is always murder. So <laughs> yours is
1: always going to be lighter.
0: Hey, sometimes mine's murder. Sometimes. Sometimes. Mine's more of the unknown.
1: I don't know that I necessarily go straight to alien, but I mean, I guess, again, like I always say, why not? Why couldn't it be? Yeah, I I don't know. I just wish there was like a picture or something. But it's like, it was 1964. No, no, why didn't he just whip out his camera? <laughs> Isn't he like law enforcement? Shouldn't he be like a Boy Scout and always prepared? Ugh. Some things,
0: like a UFO, you're just never prepared for. Or being betrayed by your best friend And him killing your whole family. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do you teach your kids that they can literally
1: tell you anything? And there's nothing that we can't figure out. Like, okay, so this guy says he's going to kill us all. Tell me and let's go to the police. Tell me and we'll go in hiding. Tell me and we'll do whatever to make us safe. Yeah. Because you as a child, you as anybody, you ain't going to figure that out on your own. You have to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. And you as a 15-year-old, sure shit, aren't going to figure this out on your own. Right. So, go get some help. Ask somebody. Be like, so, if somebody told, ta- do it fucking it theoretically. So, mom, if somebody said that they were part of this, you know, paramilitary group and they wanted you to kill somebody, what would you do? You right, know? and then she'd be like tell somebody and then you could be like what if they threaten to kill your family and then she'd be like "Well, we go to the police yeah Ugh, there
0: problem solved good role play right there
1: i mean you know what it's what you came for
0: <laughs> it's what we stayed for at least you didn't know you needed it but you needed it oh <laughs> yeah. well i not not you i well y'all let
1: us know what you think alien not an alien some sort of experience is the government trying to trick us again <laughs> i mean it's weird that they did bring that guy in though
0: yeah, the Project Blue Book.
1: Yeah, I was I couldn't remember the name of it for a second yeah. or ever. But I love that they
0: issued two reports. You know, like, public, completely okay. Everything's great. Internally, like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, I don't know, I don't know. And they didn't think it would ever get out. But then when all of the Project Blue Book stuff got out... It's like, ew.
1: The reports were like literally a duck on water. (laughs) Calm on the top, (laughs) panicking underneath. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: Well, hopefully y'all enjoyed this episode. Thank y'all so much for the recommendations as always. And don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.